0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour 2. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. It is Open Line Friday and you can call in and direct the course of the program. We'll allow it today. Today only. 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. But I myself have a few things to say first. One of the the I think very legitimate grievances of the 21st century is the rise of woke sports media. Uh, it is It's grievance mongering about sports. ESPN it had Jamel Hill for the longest time who is an idiot who sees racism everywhere. Uh, what, why is, why, why do you have a shadow Jamel that follows you around? Uh, is it because the sun uh, is blocked out and, and the rays of light don't hit behind? You know, it's racism. Why, why Jamel Hill did, did Tom Brady decide not to come back for another season? Racism. Everything is racism with this woman. She's not very bright. I mean, people who run to racism for everything, they're not smart people to begin with. And she has a platform because she tells rich white progressives what they want to hear about the rest of the world, which is that they are good people and everyone else is a racist. And so they keep giving a not very bright woman, a platform to mouth off and it makes them feel good. It it is a a form of indulgence that they are doing. It's it's a act of penance for other people. And we see this progressive woke mob in sports media all over the place. ESPN is probably the worst. Thank goodness they got rid of her. But one of the others is USA Today. You know, USA Today for a long time was a pretty down the middle, play it straight, give you the news you need to know newspaper. And over the last number of years, particularly with Trump and them seeing how other news networks, could channel anti-Trump sentiment and gain subscribers, USA Today took a decided left-wing track, uh, largely getting rid of conservative editorialists and commentators, and they brought in a bunch of wokes to the sports page. One of the biggest wokes at the sports pages of USA Today is Christine Brennan, who is the ultimate crazy Karen when it comes to stuff. This is what she wrote back in September of 2020. This is the headline. I love college football, but just can't watch amid COVID-19 concerns. As I said, I love college football, but I can't watch it. Not this year. In what has to be the riskiest roll of the dice in the history of college sports, 76 universities, many of them in the South and Southwest are embarking on the most reckless action ever perpetrated on college campuses in the name of athletics. I thought that was given women's sports teams was the most reckless action ever perpetrated on college campuses in the name of athletics, but nope. Nope. She says this is pressing on with their quest to play football in the middle of a pandemic. These schools are going to ridiculous lengths, twisting themselves into pretzels, hiding COVID-19 test results, and cobbling together starting lineups with those who aren't quarantined to justify the unjustifiable, allowing student athletes to play a sport that is the antithesis of social distancing on campuses Teaming with coronavirus. You know, this is one of those women who shows up at the local grocery store and films the people without a mask on and yells at them. That's the that sort of person this woman strikes me as. Christine Brennan, sucking the joy out of sports for all of America. You can't play it. There's COVID. There's no social distancing on the football field. I wonder if Christine Brennan is one of those people that has one of those, in this house, love is love. Uh, You you know she's the type of person who, who would probably do that. Well, that was Christine Brennan in 2020. She's outraged again, boys and girls. Christine Brennan is outraged again. If you haven't heard... Tiger Woods was playing with Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, another great golfer. (laughs) And (laughs) he he was playing. Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas were playing at a PGA Tour event. And Tiger Woods out drove Justin Thomas. Hit the ball further. And Tiger Woods was photographed handing Justin Thomas what appeared to be a tampon. (laughs) Well, Christine Brennan is on it. Really, Tiger? You're a 47-year-old girl, Dad, but thought tampon stunt would be funny? Here's the subtitle. I'm guessing most of the millions of fathers and mothers who support athletic daughters probably have retired juvenile pranks that were intended to mean those girls they love, but not our tiger. Christine Brennan, how much do you want? Let me read you the subtitle again. I'm guessing most of the millions of fathers and mothers who support athletic daughters probably have retired juvenile pranks that were intended to mean those girls they love, but not our tiger. How much you want to bet Christine Brennan supports uh, the, the boy on the University of Pennsylvania's girls swim team? She's so upset about this. She's so upset. Well, you know what? Let me just let, let me Google and see if she said anything about this. Uh, what What's the person named Christine Brennan? Leah Thomas, is it? Um, uh, let, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see, um, if she said anything, I would be, uh, let's see, um, spoke about her Um. Ah! I don't know. I haven't seen her opinion on it. I I can't find a column, but it wouldn't surprise me if she's okay with that. This is kind of ridiculous. Tiger Woods gave Justin Thomas a tampon because he beat the younger golfer. Tiger Woods did. And she's upset about it. Really? People just, just out there having having a good time, and, and, and Karen Christine Brennan got to be out there. You can't do that because that's going to keep girls out of golf. Really. that That's one of her positions. Tiger Woods, the 47-year-old father of a sports-playing teenage daughter, was photographed Thursday giving his playing partner, Justin Thomas, a tampon after Woods outdrove him in the first round of a PGA Tour event, replicating an old prank that immature schoolboys used to think was funny. Some of us grown-ups still do. I can't believe I wrote that sentence in 2023. Woods' message to Thomas was obvious. It has been the go-to line of silly, often insecure boys for generations. You play like a girl. You know, girls don't hit the golf ball as far as boys, Christine. You may not know that, but actual real girls who were born girls and identify as girls don't hit the ball as far as a boy of the same competitive level. Now, they could probably hit the ball further than me, and I would laugh if given the tampon by the girl because I actually have a sense of humor and get the competitive rivalries and the funny rivalries. But you are a humorless person who couldn't watch college football in 2020 because of the COVID virus. And you want to shame Tiger Woods, who's out there at 47 years old, hurts like hell on a daily basis, and out drove someone younger than him. How old is Justin Thomas? Let's see here. Justin Thomas is 29 years old. 47-year-old Tiger Woods out drove Justin Thomas. It's like when I play golf with Philip, Same age difference there. Next time I got to have a box of tampons in my golf bag to pass them to Philip. We will get a laugh out of it. As long as Christine's Brennan not there. Well, that's not funny. That's not funny. Stop having fun. Good Lord. Um, I, I just, it, it, the whole thing is is a ridiculous, ridiculousness led by a group of humorous people in sports. You just can't, you can't have fun. You can't allow someone to have a difference in humor. I get that Christine Brennan is offended by it. I get that she is. She doesn't have much of a sense of humor anyway. But to shame Tiger Woods to drag his daughter into it, to try to shame him. This is what we get from sports commentary at USA Today. I I I, I kind of relish the thought of USA Today going bankrupt. If this is the sort of news and commentary they're going to offer the world, a humorless woman who gets upset because colleges are allowing their senior athletes to play football in their final year of college instead of keeping them sheltered and in masks because of COVID. She can't stand that Woods did. And this is pervasive in mainstream media sports journalism today. You can't just laugh You can't just recognize that these guys have a different sense of humor than you. You can't just accept the sport. You can't just focus on the sport. You got to bring your intersectional crap diversity nonsense talking points into everything and make it about your politics, your political views, your sense of humor, and people are kind of tired of it. The number of people I know who more and more will watch sports and turn the commentary off it keeps going up and then you know um you you get some of the commentary of uh, they're mad at some of the they're mad at some of the the commentators for football that they're not woke enough they got mad at um they got mad at Peyton Manning for something he said it 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 was it was sexist they've gotten mad at a whole lot of the other commentators out there that they, they don't like Tony Romo they don't like any of the guys on on Sunday Night Football, on NBC. They're not woke enough. They're, they're, they're not open. They're, they're not diverse enough. They're, they're not open to their emotions and their feelings, and, and they just want to make it about the football. Is it any wonder so many of these media outlets are on hard financial times? Is it any wonder USA Today is on hard financial times? Is it any wonder that... Disney is more and more rumored to be spinning ESPN off. You keep dragging your politics and your lack of a sense of humor into the story instead of just laughing it off. You can't take the joke. It's a sexist joke. You wouldn't understand because you're a misogynistic man. No, I'm a person with a sense of humor, and I think it's pretty damn funny, and I think what's more funny is that you're butthurt about it, and we'll laugh at you. So my kid has a queen-size bed. We've got a king-size bed. We got him bowl and branch sheets, and he's used them. He had, like, kid sheets, and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because, I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen-size sheets, and they got put in our closet, and the kid was in despair. We got him bowl and branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer, and he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because – they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of Bowling Branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness. my uh, Seriously, my kid, uh, he suddenly like my sheets are for kids. I'm, I'm grown up now, and... Uh, it's just a a step of quality above what he had. And now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed and it fits. It doesn't like bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bolin Branch sheets when you use promo code Eric at BullandBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Branch B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Gary, you're going to be up next. Welcome.
1: Good afternoon. Appreciate you taking my call.
0: Sure. Um, I'm a
1: retired railroad employee. As I was always part time, but uh, the, what Buddha is saying about these derailments three a day, that's incorrect. The type of derailment that happened in Ohio, there's probably three a year uh, to that extent. And I, sympathize with the people in Palestine. What a horrific deal, but Norfolk and Southern and the other safety people made a huge mistake by setting it on fire. There's probably some way to reclaim those chemicals. I don't know that, but I am saying that um, the derailments are to an incredibly minor extent, one or two cars in a yard, not moving fast, not killing people um, are more to the point of what he said, there's a thousand a year.
0: Yeah, and and so let me just just say where this data comes from. Um, This is a report from back in 2022 that the Bureau of Transportation Statistics, a branch of the Department of Transportation, analyzes and compiles information from 1990, the first year the Bureau began tracking derailments and injuries on a daily basis to 2021, there've been 54,539 accidents. That's an average of a thousand seven hundred four derailments per year, but those numbers seem staggering. But derailments vary in severity, and only a portion result in injury. In other words, yeah, there are a lot of trains that that derail, but it's one car in a in yep. a yard, not yep. in movement across the United States, not bringing the whole That's train correct. down. Yeah, so it That's really correct. is a it's a real distraction. From what actually happened, and also it's, it's a real distraction on the brake issue because uh, we don't know that it was the brake issue. They they they're saying this, but we don't actually know all the details yet from the uh, from the National Transportation Safety Board and others as to exactly what happened. And there are lots of there's lots of speculation about overheating because of the the number of cars that were on the track. It was well over a hundred cars on the track. So that, listen, Gary, thanks very much for that information. Um, it, not a good situation. Now we've got, um, we've got more and more happening around the country. Um, and it's just, um, well, it's sad that, uh, we're in this situation and it is sad that we've got this massive pushback from the Biden administration trying to blame Donald Trump. It is sad. We, we don't know yet what happened, but it does seem like all these people saying it's safe to go back, it's safe to drink the water. They don't really know what the hell they're talking about because there are very clearly still chemicals in the water. There are very clearly still issues there, uh, and nobody trusts the government anymore. Nobody trusts the government at this point to actually tell the truth, let alone show some competence in handling the situation. That's the most frustrating part here is the lack of trust. Y'all, I want to be real honest with you. Uh, I have looked, because you have asked me to look, for a reputable gold company that can give you advice and answer your questions that's not gimmicky. Like, for example, some of them do certificates, and some of them, they try to rope you in with other stuff. You are interested in precious metals for your retirement savings uh, to ease the ebbs and flows of inflation and wild swings in the stock market. Advantage Gold, Advantage Gold, that's who you want to call. Uh, Advantage Gold, I have looked into them. I have had them answer my questions, and it is not one of these gimmicky places. There aren't tricks. They really just want you to have a great experience learning how to be a gold investor. Give them a call, 800-450-2566, 800-450-2566. Tell them I sent you. You can get their free golden IRA investment kit, but call them if you got questions. They're good people. 800-450-2566. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be on the program, it's an open line Friday, and I want to go to Eric. Welcome to the show, Eric. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm fine. This is Matt, and it's Eric with a C. Excellent. Anyway anyway, what I just wanted to uh say is uh regarding Trump running again, like many people I liked his policies, but his personality, eh, not so much. You know, he was a New Yorker. It is what it is. And in fact when he did the whole thing at the beginning of COVID with the hospital ships, I was going like, That's kinda like the fireside chats of Roosevelt. And I basically approved of that, but his personality well got a little bit in the way. Anyway, given all the problems they had in his first ter- term, I'm actually quite surprised that people haven't mo- mentioned he's going to be a lame duck president. And um, personally, I don't see what can get done with that. And I don't really see the point other than maybe his
0: own personality. So yeah, that's I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because th- th- that's a point I think that uh, people have to consider when it comes to Trump. Uh, Literally, and, and thanks, Eric, for the phone call. Let me just give you some facts you can't dispute. You may want to, but you can't dispute. Take any elected official who runs in the Republican primary against Donald Trump, whether you're talking to Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or Mike Pence or Mike Pompeo, They all have done something Donald Trump has never done, win the popular vote. Donald Trump got elected president, which they haven't done, but they've won popular votes in their states. Mike Pompeo in Congress, Mike Pence as governor and in Congress, uh, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley as governor, Tim Scott as senator, they've all won the popular vote. Donald Trump never has. There's also something else that's more significant. Literally anyone who runs, is qualified to run, and becomes the Republican nominee can get two terms in office as president except Donald Trump. The moment Donald Trump wins, he is automatically a lame duck because he cannot run again. He is constitutionally prohibited from another term after this one. Now, I'm sure there will be some nuts who have a clever interpretation of him running and claiming that, oh, actually, he can get eight years. You can only do eight consecutive years. They'll come up with something, but it won't be true. You get eight years as president of the United States. You get two full terms. If you're a vice president who replaces a president in the middle of a presidency, you get eight. eight years plus those two. There will be some people who say Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump should run together and DeSantis should replace Trump. Uh, They will be uh, unaware of a constitutional provision that prohibits that. The Constitution penalizes any state where the president and vice president are both from that state. It's not that you are prohibited from doing it, it's that you are penalized so much that it makes it not worth it. What the constitution says is that if a president and a vice president are from the same state, you cannot count that state's electoral college votes. So you would still have to have 270 votes. Florida has, I think, 30 electoral college votes, so you would immediately take those votes off the table. So to review, Whoever Donald Trump runs against, if there are or have been an elected official, they will have won the popular vote at least once in their life. Donald Trump has never won the popular vote. Two, if Donald Trump were to get elected, he will immediately become a lame up. He will not be able to have eight years in office. He will only get four years. Anyone else who runs could get up to eight years. Donald Trump will only get four years. It's gonna take eight years to undo the damage of this administration. Donald Trump won't be able to get it done. And then three, for the people who say, well, we should have a Donald Trump-Ron DeSantis ticket. You can't. The Constitution specifically says that if a president and vice president run from the same state, that state's votes don't count in the Electoral College. So you need 270 votes to win. You would be taking 30 from Florida off the table automatically, which makes that scenario improbable, if not impossible, for the GOP. Nikki Haley on Wednesday in Charleston made the the case for the future, not the past, that uh, we should win the 21st century with people who became, got into politics in the 21st century. That includes Donald Trump. So you have to be careful there. But her point is essentially on age. We need young politicians. We need uh Gen X or we need millennials. Now it's, it's the boomers uh, silent generation. Y'all stay home. Now uh, y'all, you enjoy your retirement. The voters ultimately will decide there is some news you should know that, uh, the Republicans are trying to shake up their field in a couple of ways. One of which is, uh, Ronald McDaniel, the Republican national committee chairwoman wants to get the contenders. If they want access to the debate stage to agree That all of the candidates will support the party's eventually nominee. Donald Trump says he's not willing to do that. Chris Sununu, who may run, he's established a new organization, says he'll support the eventual nominee, but is certain Trump won't be that person. H. The Hutchinson, who hasn't decided on whether to sign the pledge, has gone so far as to speak with McDonald and McDaniel about his opposition to it, arguing Republicans should not be enforcing litmus tests. I don't see Asa Hutchinson being a real contender. I honestly don't see Chris Sununu being a real contender. He's a great governor for New Hampshire. I don't see him being a real contender, though. The reality here is some people, in fact, I I spoke at an event last night. Someone was very concerned about Donald Trump. If he doesn't become the nominee, he runs as a third party. The problem is about a third of the United States have a sore loser law. No, no, I'm sorry. It's it's two-thirds of the United States have a sore loser law. So what a sore loser law says is if you run in a party's primaries and you lose and do not become the nominee, you cannot then run as a third party. You have to pick before the primaries begin. So if Donald Trump loses the Iowa caucus, if it's still the first race for the GOP, Donald Trump cannot then drop out and run as an independent because he will have begun the process for the GOP nomination. He will have lost it. And so now he can't go third party in 33 of the 50 states. So what's the point? Other than you want the GOP to lose, which would really come down to, do you want Joe Biden, Republicans? We saw this in Georgia, by the way, with Brian Kemp. There were a number of Trump supporters who were so furious with the idea that Brian Kemp beat David Perdue in Georgia that they wrote in Ron DeSantis, which is kind of funny because they hate DeSantis now. But then, just a few months ago, how fickle these people are and nuts they are, they wrote in Ron DeSantis to spite Brian Kemp and Kemp still won without him. Same thing could happen with DeSantis against Trump. Now, there's another issue that I hope the GOP endorses. If if I could have the RNC's attention for just a moment, please. I don't think we're going to have a 17 person field. I hope we're not going to have a 17 person field. One of the things that the Democrats did that was smart was to require small dollar donor support to get on the debate stage. And every debate had an escalating scale. I think that's very smart. The Republicans have a lot of large dollar donors who can set up super PACs to fund candidates. But small dollar donors, you got a lot of voters there. It's not just a way to measure your ability to raise money from small dollar donors. It's your ability to raise votes or to to, to raise uh, to, to get a number of votes. So if you have one donor who can write a $10 million check to a super PAC, that's great, but that's the one voter. If you have 100 voters, or if you have 100,000 voters, and those 100,000 voters each give you $100, you get the same amount of money from the mega donor, but you also get 100,000 votes. That's That's a smart way to play this. I would encourage the Republican National Committee to consider doing something like that. Consider debate access on a progressive scale over time tied to the number of small-dollar donors you have because that shows you you can translate into votes, not just money. It shows you you found a way to get small-dollar donors to give you money. It shows your organizational competence. And it widows the field down pretty quickly, I think, in some cases. I mean, the reality is, not to go ad nauseum on this, but you got about a third of the party that wants Trump and a third of the party that wants DeSantis, and everybody else is fighting over that last third. We should not, in the initial debate or debates, penalize that other third that's trying to consolidate their position and build a case for themselves. But over time, they've got to be able to grow it. And they got to be able to grow it by either shrinking Trump and DeSantis's pool of votes or shrinking the others so you ultimately have three candidates who get a third or you have a candidate who becomes dominant. It just makes sense to me to do this. Having multiple debates, multiple debate stages, debates over time, you can't keep people's interest. It's simply not fair to the public. It's not fair to the voters. And by the way... I resent like hell the politicians who think they can get in and go the distance. I resent like hell a guy like, no offense, Asa Hutchinson, who not one person in America gives a damn about running for president of the United States, but he's so hell-bent on stopping Trump, he's going to get Trump the nomination by getting into the field. The more people who get in, the better it is for Trump. That's what Trump wants. And the egos of these guys, they decide, I'm the one who can stop Donald Trump. You hadn't stopped Jack. If you want to stop him, stay the hell out of the race, Asa Hutchinson. You're just soaking up resources and attention from more viable candidates. You're enough of a politician to know that the internal dynamics of polling can still be good, and you see the internal dynamics of all these polls saying you don't even register in the polls, why would you even contemplate it? I don't think the RNC or the donors should shut candidates out. I don't think the RNC or the donors should say you can't run. I think these candidates should have enough self-awareness to know they should not run. And we'll all be better off if they do that. Now, before I go to break, I got to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the three-pack, it's back. I uh, got a lot of questions about this the other day because I mentioned filters, and I think somebody misheard me. One of the cool things about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm is you're not getting a subscription to filters. Uh, You know, some of these uh, that are sold out there, you get a subscription to filters and every month you get a new filter and you got to swap it out and it costs money. No, you just buy the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and it uses electrostatic plates and so you just wipe it out on occasion. There's no filter subscription needed if you wanted to clean the air in your house. What I use it for, I don't use it as an air purifier to get rid of the pollen and the dust in the air. I use it to get rid of bad odors and it works, I mean, geniusly at this. You plug it in and it just works. I will confess, I was leaving the golf course, and I had a cigar, and I opened my car door, and I didn't think anything about it, and as I was making, giving my last good puff on the cigar, all the smoke went in my car, and it it noticeably stuck, and I could fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm in the car using a USB plug, a USB cable, and it wiped out the odors, it just worked that well. You can get three of them from Eden Pure by going to EdenPureDeals.com. You get three of them for less than $200. You save $200 and you get free shipping. It's EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, my name. EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code is ERIC. Go get three of them now, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV, your travel bag like I do. You can plug it into the wall or use a USB cord if you need to. EdenPureDeals.com, discount code, just my name, Eric. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty, building and loan. If your business needs access to funding and banks are giving you a hard time, you should reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. Doesn't matter where you are in the United States, your business can be helped by First Liberty. Uh, This is from Aviation Week. This is, I mean, kind of funny. A small globe-trotting balloon declared missing in action by an Illinois-based hobbyist club on February 15th has emerged as a candidate to explain one of the three mystery objects shot down by four heat-seeking missiles launched by U.S. Air Force fighters since February 10th. The club, the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade, is not pointing fingers yet, But the circumstantial evidence is intriguing. The club's silver-coated party-style Pico balloon reported its last position on February 10th at 38,910 feet off the west coast of Alaska. And a popular forecasting tool, the high-split model, provided by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration projected the cylindrically shaped object would be floating high over the central part of the Yukon Territory on February 11th. That's the same day a Lockheed Martin F-22 shot down an unidentified object of a similar description and altitude in the same general area. There are suspicions among other prominent members of the small Pico ballooning enthusiast community, which combines ham radio and high-altitude ballooning into a single, relatively affordable hobby. I tried contacting our military and the FBI and just got the runaround to try to enlighten them on what a lot of these things probably are. And they're going to look not too intelligent for shooting them down, says Ron Meadows, the founder of Scientific Balloon Solutions a Silicon Valley company that makes purpose-built Pico balloons for hobbyists, educators, and scientists. The descriptions of all three objects shot down February 10th through the 12th match the shapes, altitudes, and payloads of the small Pico balloons, which can usually be purchased for between $12 and $180 each, depending on the type. I'm guessing probably they were Pico balloons, says Tom Medlin. Aviation Week contacted a host of government agencies, including the FBI, NORAD, the NSC, National Security Council, and the Office of the Secretary of Defense for comment about the possibility of PICO balloons. The NSC did not respond. The FBI and Office of the Secretary of Defense did not acknowledge the harmless PICO balloons are being considered. I have no update for NORAD, says NORAD. John Kirby, the National Security Council spokesman, told reporters all three objects could just be balloons tied to a commercial or benign purpose but didn't mention Pico balloons. Launching high-altitude circumnavigational Pico balloons has emerged only in the past decade. Meadows and his son Lee discovered it was possible to calculate the amount of helium gas necessary to make a common latex balloon neutrally buoyant above 43,000 feet. The balloons carry an 11-gram tracker on a tether, along with HF and VHF UHF antennas to update their position to ham radio receivers around the world. At any given moment, several dozen such balloons are aloft, with some circling the globe several times before they malfunction or fail. The launch teams seldom ever recover their balloons, and they can come in many forms. That's right. It appears our government and the Canadian government used our missiles to shoot down hobbyist balloons. In fact, now the um, now the Biden administration is admitting that it doesn't appear that any of the balloons they shot down, other than that first one off the coast of South Carolina, was related at all to the Chinese. Geniuses. They're just geniuses. I'm sure Pete Buttigieg will blame Donald Trump for it you will say Donald Trump didn't have some regulation, and it happens every day anyway. Geniuses, they're just geniuses. When we come back, we need to go back to you will be made to care. Uh, the war on common sense is escalating. Have you heard about the protests outside the New York Times offices because they're refusing to take a position on a key issue?